So if you've got a Bible there, open to chapter 2. Uh, we'll read verses 1 to 5. So this is God's word. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am present in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. I want to begin with a story. There was once a man named Jack, and Jack bought a property with an old run-down house, uh, complete with dilapidated farmyards. This property had been overrun for years without any maintenance, uh, but the house had some character, so Jack thought that if he bought it, he could do it up and perhaps sell it at a bit of a profit. Um, well, like any renovation, it took far longer than he could have ever imagined. It cost a lot more than he could ever calculate. Um, but after years of hard work, he eventually finished renovating the house. He fixed up all the land and everything looked quite presentable. Then the big day came for the sale. And much to his delight, Jack was able to sell the house at a reasonable profit. However, years later, uh, after all of that hard work was behind him, uh, what Jack didn't realise, but soon came to realise, was that the whole time, after all this work on that house, the whole time, underneath this formerly run-down property, were millions and millions of dollars worth of oil. All that liquid gold. But the whole time it was out of sight. The whole time it was available to him, but he was so busy with all of these other things, so busy focusing on the house and everything else, that he missed all of these untold riches. Now in this passage we're looking at today, Paul desperately wants the Colossians, and, and therefore us, uh, to not make the same mistake as Jack. He wants us to come to terms with how rich we are. That is how spiritually rich we are in Christ. Uh, the main verse there is the one where it says that he wants us to reach all the riches of full assurance. So full assurance of all that you have in Christ. And as we've been learning through Colossians, remember Jesus, he's the preeminent king over all. He's the all-sufficient saviour. And all you need for life and salvation, it's all found in him alone. And so you need to realise that if you have Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then you are complete. You really are complete. You need to be assured that you are complete in Christ so that you don't miss out on all of these spiritual riches that are available to you. Okay, don't make the same mistake Jack did. <laughs> That's the point of this passage. And so to get that across, uh, we see three things in this passage. We see... First, the struggle to reach full assurance in verses 1 to 2. Then we see the source of full assurance. That's in verses uh, 2 and 3. And finally, we see the safeguard that full assurance is in verses 4 and 5. So first, we see the struggle for full assurance, the struggle. So that's in verses 1 to 2. So look at verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle 
I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So if you can remember from last week, remember Paul was talking about his ministry for the Colossians and he's continuing to talk about that here. And uh, here he says how his ministry that he was involved in was a great struggle, a great struggle. And he actually uses a very strong word to describe this struggle. The Greek word that's translated struggle is the word agon, which you can probably guess what that is. It's, it's where we get the word agony. So Paul agonized over the Colossians. And you need to remember that at this point, when he wrote this letter, he was stuck in a prison cell. And so how would Paul minister to them? What would his struggle actually look like? Well, for one, he wrote the letter. That's part of it. But surely what he's referring to here is his prayers for the Colossians. Uh, Paul actually uses the same word struggle um, in chapter 4, verse 12, when he describes Epaphras uh, always struggling, there's that word, agonizing, always struggling in his prayers for the Colossians. So Paul's talking about the struggle of, of his, his ministry, in particular his prayers. And what was the aim of Paul's struggle? We'll have a look at verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So Paul's struggle was all aimed at the Colossians coming to know Jesus more fully. He wants them to realize how good they have it. He wants them to reach all the riches of full assurance. That means to have a greater grasp of who Christ is and a greater grasp of what Christ has done for you. It means to understand the gospel in all of its riches. See, Paul wants you to grasp your position in Christ. He wants you to grasp that more deeply. And so for that to happen, your understanding needs to grow. Your convictions need to deepen. You need to reach full assurance of Christ and, and full assurance of your life in Christ. That's the heart of Paul's struggle for them, that they would have an increased knowledge in Christ and an increased focus on Christ. See, to reach all the riches of full assurance of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. But we also see in this verse that along with reaching full assurance, Paul also prayed these two other things for them. Uh, one is that their hearts may be encouraged. Now, we all need encouragement. And the way we encourage people is when we come alongside them with uplifting words. And so, you know, think about someone who is um, feeling despondent, you know, someone who's feeling discouraged. How can you encourage them? What can you say? Or think of someone who is disillusioned, someone who's confused and lost. Or think of someone who has had their hopes dashed. How can you speak encouraging words to them? How can you lift them up? Well, there is no greater words than speaking about Christ himself. Give them Jesus. See, Jesus, the sufficiency of Christ. No one else can bring that Rest for your souls. No one can lift you up like Jesus does. Because not only can Jesus sympathize with all of your struggles, but he can save you completely. And he is the one who gives not just hope for this life, but as the risen king, he gives hope for life eternal, life beyond the grave. But second, along with encouragement, Paul wants the Colossians to be knit together in love. And that idea of being knit together, that's actually a saying that refers to the way that a body is held together. 
So think of a body, there's, you know, in your body there's many parts, so here's a finger, a hand, an arm, and they're all joined together, they all work as one. And throughout the New Testament, Paul uses that image to describe the church, the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, you have all these members who are knit together, but what is it that holds all the members together? What is the, the knitting, the, the very knitting of, that holds them together? It's Christ himself. And as we see here, <clears throat> it's, it's, um, you're all knit together, intertwined in love, the love of Christ. That's what holds us together. And that, of course, is the context in which encouragement takes place within that, that community of, of love. But here's the most surprising thing about verse 2. If you follow the grammar carefully, you actually realise that Paul places the full assurance of knowing Christ, he places that as a result of being encouraged in heart and united together in love. You'd actually think he'd put it the other way around. And he does in, in chapter 1, in verses 4 to 5, you know, that having the hope of Christ, uh, that assurance of Christ, that as a result it shows itself in love. But, but here he clearly states it around the other way, that the full assurance of knowing Christ comes as a result of being encouraged in heart and knit together in love. So what does that mean? It means that it's in the context of a church community that you come to know Christ more fully. It's in the context of a church fellowship that you enjoy all of the riches of all that Christ is. Or to put it another way, knowing Christ more fully is actually a church community project. It happens in the context of fellowship with other believers. And what Paul is saying then, he's really unpacking the way the gospel works in our lives. Um, when you experience the fruit of the gospel, which is love, when, that, when you experience that in the life of the church community, as a result, you come to a deeper understanding of the gospel. See, it, it keeps growing like in that way. And I think we can all relate to that. See, just to give one example, um, we learn in, in the pages of the, of the Bible about the generosity and the compassion of Christ. Okay, but what happens? When we see that being practiced, when we see the generosity of Christ and his compassion being practiced among his people, and as we practice it ourselves, we actually learn, learn it more. We come to know more of the generosity and compassion of Christ. See, it's as we do life together, as we live out the gospel together, that we come to know, we come to understand it more deeply. And so by implication, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how theologically astute you might think you are, if you're cut off from the body of Christ, you won't be able to enjoy or you won't be able to reach the full riches, the, the, the riches of full assurance that are in Jesus. And by implication, that's why we can't keep church online forever. Uh, we can't know and enjoy life in Christ while we're on our own stuck behind a computer screen. I mean, yes, it's been necessary during this pandemic and Zoom has been helpful because it has actually enabled um, the kind of interaction that this verse is talking about, this you know, encouragement in heart, united together in love. It has enabled that to some degree, but not in the same way that you can do that face-to-face -face when you're together. Nothing's as good as face-to-face. -face. 
And this, what we see here, it's also why it's, it's actually good to be part of a, a Bible study group or meeting up together to read the Bible one-on-one. See, it's, it's as you learn the gospel together, as you grow together, you know more fully the riches of who Christ is and what he has done for us. And so that's what Paul was struggling for. He was agonizing over that for the Colossians, praying earnestly, because it's actually easy for us to miss out on all of the riches of knowing Christ fully. Oh, how we need to reach all the riches of full assurance of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. That is something worth struggling for. Well, second, we see in this passage the source of full assurance. The source of full assurance. So we we have actually started looking at this already, but we need to look more deeply into it. So have a look at the second half of verse 2 again. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Now, again, we see this reference to um, God's mystery, uh, which is Christ. And remember, we we started looking at this last week, but God's mystery, um, the gospel, remember, the reason it's called a mystery is because it's something we can only know by revelation. God has to reveal it to us. And uh, we would never discover the truth about Christ on our own because our minds are too small. But God has made it known. He's revealed it. uh, And he's done that by sending his son into the world and revealing him by his spirit to us in the pages of Scripture. But have a look at the way Paul describes Christ in verse 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, this means everything we need to know God, everything we need to know life to the full, it's all found in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Remember how we've learned that Jesus, he's the creator of all things. He holds all things together. He directs all of history as the Lord. Uh, He's the one who reconciles all things. Remember our problem was alienation from God because of sin. And Christ went to the cross to die, to pay for our sin in order to reconcile us to the Father. And he's risen again and will come again to make all things new. And see, when we come to know Jesus, we come to know the one who created us, the one who holds our lives together, the one who has saved us for all of eternity. And so in him, all the big questions are answered. In him, we know what our purpose is. We know the big questions about our existence, about our destiny. They're all answered in Christ. See, all the wisdom and knowledge are found in him. He's all you need to know the truth. And so Paul is again underlining the sufficiency of Christ. All we need to know. All we need to live life to the full. It's all found in Jesus. So you could bring all of the greatest minds together into one room. You know, get the greatest scientists, the greatest philosophers, the psychologists, the gurus, get them all together in a big room, in a big conference, and say to them, tell me how life works. Tell me what we're on about here. And they'll give you lots of great insights. But anything they offer will always pale in comparison to Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so this means there is no essential truth outside of Christ. There is no way to know God other than in Christ. 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Now, what does Paul mean there by hidden? What, what does it mean by wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ? So what does hidden mean? Well, think of it like this. There's actually, if you want to hide something from someone, there's two ways you can go about it. Uh, one is to hide something so that the person will never find it. You know, like you um, hide your secret stash of chocolate from your children. You know, they'll, they'll never find it. Um, that's one way to hide something. But the other way to hide something is so that people will find it. For example, a treasure hunt. If you're setting up a treasure hunt, you hide stuff so that it will be found. That's the whole point of it. Uh, the point of the treasure hunt is to seek and find. And see, that's how the wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. It's actually an invitation to seek and to find. It's an invitation to come to Christ by faith and find these treasures. It's an invitation to draw near to him. He actually wants to draw you into himself. And see, when you draw near, you will find that there is far more in Christ than you could have ever first imagined. I mean, think of it like this. Imagine that on your property you discover a secret cave and it turns out that this cave, when you go in, you realise that it's actually a treasure trove filled with all of these artefacts of gold and silver and jewels, all of these precious artefacts. And when you first look in, initially it looks like the cave is, I don't know, about three metres deep. And so you go in there and you start to pull out these artefacts. And after you've removed a heap, you realise, hang on a minute, this cave goes back further than you first thought. And as you keep going in and bringing out these, all of these items of incredible value, every time you bring them out, it actually opens up another corridor that, that's full of more and more treasures. And the deeper you go, the more there is to discover. And after doing this for some time, it starts to dawn on you that what you're dealing with, that this cave could potentially be thousands of kilometres deep, full of treasures more than you could ever imagine i mean and the magnitude of what you're dealing with it starts to overwhelm you because you actually realize that you could be doing this for the rest of your life and that's what paul is saying that christ is like but with something of far greater value because in christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and that's what it's like to know jesus there is always something new to discover of him always something to marvel at in him to worship him and, and always something more to apply to your life see in jesus you realize that all the solutions to your problems you know all of your worries all of your fears all of your struggles the solutions to all these things where are they they're deep in this cave this treasure trove of knowing christ and he's inviting you to come and find seek and find and so if that's the case, that actually gives you something to do. What do you need to do? You need to draw near to Christ. You need to seek and find him. You have to seek after him in the place where he reveals himself. And where is that? It's in the Bible. His word. That's where he reveals himself to us because all of scripture is about Christ. Genesis to Revelation, it's all about him. That's what he told us. And remember from the first point, <clears throat> you need to do this with other believers. Get together, learn 
the scriptures. But what if you don't do this? What if this is something that you know, doesn't really interest you? Well, maybe you can't be bothered reading your Bible or um, learning it with other Christians. It just sounds like too much effort. What does that mean? It, that means you're missing out. You're not experiencing all that you have in Christ. I mean, imagine if you did have that cave on your property and you thought, you know what, that just looks like too much effort to go in and drag that stuff out. You know, I might get hurt or uh, I'm too busy. I don't have time to do this. It looks too hard. Right now, you might do that with a, a cave full of treasure and that's fine. But don't do it with Jesus. Do you realize how good you have it in him? Don't miss out on all of the riches of knowing him. He's inviting you to seek and find. But how can you tell if you are missing out? How can you tell if, if you're actually um, not making the most of what you have in him? Uh, how can you tell if you're not mining out these great treasures? <clears throat> well, you can tell if there's still things in your life that are, that are at odds with the gospel. Uh, for example, do you have doubts about your salvation? Are you still worried about where you stand with God? Do you fear facing death? Do you have full assurance, like Paul talks about here? Is the fruit of the gospel showing itself in your life? Or are you an anxious person? Are you a grumbler? Are you bitter? Are you a people pleaser? Do you struggle to be generous? <clears throat> Is your marriage not all that it should be? Is there still a sin in your life that's dogged you for years and you, that you haven't seen any progress? See, it doesn't have to be like that. Because it says here that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the source of all that we need to live a life of full assurance. So seek after him, seek and find. Okay, so we've seen the struggle. We've seen the source of full assurance. But third, we see here the safeguard that full assurance is. It is a safeguard because verse 4, have a look at that. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So this is the first time in the letter that we come to realize that there was a problem that the Colossians faced, a danger. Uh, now we actually see why Paul was agonizing over them so much in his prison cell. Uh, because they were in danger of being deluded. Uh, Paul says that there were these plausible arguments that, that people were saying to the Colossians, they were saying things like that the wisdom and knowledge in Christ were not enough, that it was deficient in some ways, or it was empty, that it needed adding to. The Colossians had people trying to persuade them that the key to unlocking the mysteries of life and finding salvation of living life to the full were found in sources other than Jesus. They were being told that Jesus wasn't enough to being complete that they needed elements from their culture and elements from other spiritualities, that these things would complement their faith, would take them into a deeper or a higher experience of the spiritual life, of knowing God, of giving them power to live fruitful lives. And you know that that danger, it's actually just as real for us today as it was to the Colossians in the first century, because we too are immersed in these plausible arguments uh, plausible arguments that are saying to us or would suggest to us that Christ isn't enough, that to be complete, to be fulfilled, that you need these other things. 
And perhaps maybe the most plausible argument uh, that comes, that, that pervades our culture today, that we might find pervades our own lives, is this, the rise of the therapeutic self, as one author has called it. The therapeutic self. What does that mean? It says that you are the source of your own truth and the truth for you is defined by what you feel will bring you the most happiness. The therapeutic self. And that expresses itself in so many ways. You know, just basically just living for happiness. That I decide if something's good or bad depending on whether it will make me feel happy. That pervades our culture. That pervades everything. But broadly speaking, this works out in our culture in two ways. Um, the left want to persuade you to think that your identity and fulfillment are tied to your sexuality. And then the right, they want you to persuade you that your life, your identity and fulfillment in life is tied to your money and your possessions. And that the meaning of life is to consume goods. And see, through the media and the adver and advertisements, that or those messages are constantly being pounded into you. Do you realize that? Every time you turn the TV on, they're the messages that are being really rammed down your throat, beaten into our heads every day, that we need these things to be happy. But both of them are saying the same thing. Both of them are saying, if you want to be happy, if you want to live your life to the full, if you want to be complete, then you need these things. This is what will do it. And that has the potential to delude us, to think that Christ isn't enough, that I need to have Jesus plus something else in order to be complete. But see, anything we add to Jesus, it's actually like, it is really like giving up on the riches that we already have in him. This is why Paul desperately wanted the Colossians to reach all the riches of full assurance of knowing Christ, because it would be a safeguard for them. And the same is true for us. If we are enjoying all of the riches of what we have in Christ, then what will happen with all of the things of the world? They'll grow strangely dim. And it's true, they will grow dim because that's actually what they are. They are all fading away. Only that which in Christ endures. And so if we go chasing after all of these other things as if they're what life is about, we're missing out on what we already have in Christ. Well, Paul finally says in verse 5, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So it ends on a happy note. It actually sounds like the plausible arguments that the Colossians were facing had not yet gotten a hold of them, that they had been resisting, had been standing firm in Christ. But as um, Paul knows as a good teacher, prevention is always better than cure which is why he is telling them all of this stuff, it would be a safeguard for them, uh, just like it is for us today. See, the only safeguard against all the plausible arguments, all the delusional thinking that our culture uh, is constantly, we're constantly being bombarded with and threatens to undermine what we have in Christ, threatens to dis distract us, to divert our attention, to thinking we need something more. Prevention, the safeguard, is to realize how good you have it already in him. To grow in him. 
to be like the one, you know, like going into that cave, bringing out these treasures. Seek and find. Remember that man Jack that I mentioned at the start? He had untold riches right under his feet, but he never tapped into them. Don't be like that with Jesus. What I want more than anything for all of you listening today is that you would reach all the riches of full assurance in Christ, knowing him in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen.